Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. I'm glad to see you all here today. Uh, We are in a message series this December called His Name Shall Be Called. And we're looking at four amazing titles for Jesus. And we started this last week, so I'm excited that you're here for part two of this series. Before we jump into the message for today, I do want to let you know about a special opportunity that we have as a church uh, this December. We actually have uh, a chance to demonstrate some generosity. Uh, There's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of shopping, and there's a lot going on during the Christmas season. And it can be very easy to get focused on on the cards and the gifts and and purchasing things. But we're going to actually, we have an opportunity to give towards a special Christmas offering. We did this last year as well. And one of the reasons we do an offering at the end of the year is because God demonstrated his incredible generosity to us by freely giving his son uh, the best gift you could possibly imagine. And so we can respond to God's gift and generosity by also giving sacrificially. And so as our church continues to grow, we're about two years old now as we continue to grow, uh, I, I hope and I pray that generosity is one of the things that marks who we are, that it's a characteristic of our church. And so we're going to be giving to a few different places. Uh, We're going to be giving, there's actually a handout that you received that has a little bit more of the details described. But one of the places that our Christmas offering is going to be going to is the SCV Pregnancy Center. And this is a faith-based organization providing holistic service, like physical, emotional, spiritual, to pregnant women as their really is an alternative to abortion. And so this, this group really aims to help women and give support and information needed during pregnancy, really with, with the desire to stand for life. Um, another place we'll be giving with our offering is to a brand new church getting started. It's called Pathfinder Church, and they're getting started in this sum- next summer. And so actually, Scott and Penny Lambert, they're, they're friends of ours. Um, they're, th- this is a church plant coming out of OCC, which is the church that we came out of. We're, Valley Lights was the very first church plant out of OCC, and this is going to be the second. And so it's really exciting that our parent church, where I was on staff for over a decade, is continuing to reproduce and God's sending people out. And uh, Reno, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's uh, a place that could use more Jesus. <laughs> and, um, and so they're, they're going to be bringing, actually every city could use more of Jesus, certainly. But, um, but yeah, Scott and Penny, they, they um, have received the calling from God to start there. And so I'm really, it's kind of exciting that we've received a lot of help and support in getting started. We can actually give back and help contribute to a new work getting started next year. And so um, that, that's, that's very exciting. And then a third uh, place we'll be giving is to, it's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, but it's um, a special fund through Southern Baptist um, that goes to the International Missions Board. And so when we give to the Lottie Moon, and actually all the SBC churches, which is the biggest denomination in the country, when all the churches give to this, it funds an amazing number of missions work across the globe. And so the message of Jesus is transforming lives in places we could never go ourselves. And so our gifts in this regard are really helping missionaries to stay on the field. It provides things like housing needs to help cover uh, medical costs, things like that. And so all three of these um, groups that we're giving to are faith-based, committed to spreading the gospel and other practical acts of, of helping one another. So this offering that we're doing at the end of the year it helps us to extend our impact beyond these walls, beyond just your lives and my life, 
um, really our impact is going much, much further through this um, to other places that are local, regional, and even international. So um, I'd ask if you'd consider praying maybe about giving to this offering this year. Uh, like I said, we did this last year and it was, it was really exciting. Even as a, a small church, a year old, uh, we raised over $5,000 to give to the ministries that we selected for last year. And so these gifts, if you do give to the Christmas offering, um, these are gifts that hopefully would be given above and beyond whatever you normally give here. And if you already, if you already do give to Valley Lights, you might consider maintaining your normal giving through December and then adding this as something additional. So every dollar that comes in for the Christmas offering goes to these ministries. No percentages are taken out of the Christmas offering at all. Every dollar goes to it. So if you would like to give, you can give through our offering envelope that you received. Give online, um, or you can give to the, our text giving number as well. So I'm really excited to see how God uses that offering this year. All right, so let's jump into the message for today. My name is Bruce, by the way, and if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I would really love to after service. And we're turning our focus during the Christmas season to the promise and the hope that God has given when he sent Jesus to earth for us. And in just a few weeks, it'll be Christmas Day, two weeks from today, right? Is it just two weeks away? There we go, it's coming up. Well, in two weeks, we're going to celebrate and remember that freak anybody out? Like, oh gosh, oh man, it's like only two weeks away. Oh my goodness. Yeah, get your shopping in. Um, we're going to be celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. And in our world right now, with all that's pressing in on us, we need almost a constant reminder that there is hope. And to be reminded that God sees our situation, He's met our deepest needs and concerns, and so we celebrate the gift of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, miraculously conceived to a virgin named Mary. Jesus was raised by Mary and Joseph, uh, a devout Jewish family, and he began to follow God's laws. He began his public ministry at the age of 30. Uh, and then he started calling out his followers who would eventually carry on his movement. Jesus lived a total of just 33 years. He never once sinned. He lived a perfect life. And then he would die a cruel death on a cross. But then three days he would be raised by God, displaying God's power over death and his incredible might. And so if you're like me, coming together on a Sunday morning like this, uh, you know Sundays come just in time. Sometimes I need to gather and sing songs like we've sung today and look around and see other people that are committed to following Jesus and, or learning more about what it means to follow God and know that I'm not alone in these beliefs and be strengthened by others and be strengthened by his word. Sunday, each of us, uh, may, actually I'd say many of us probably, you know, get to Sundays and at times you're running on empty. My spiritual and sometimes even my physical energy may be waning through all that's going on during the week. My perspective often needs adjusting. My concern level in life could be rising with personal challenges or things that are going on in the news around us. And Sundays come at a good time. And really, there, there are times when you look around and you think, man, everywhere we turn, we see looming threats. A fresh reminder from God's word is just what we need. That's really true for us. And certainly, people in the past, people who followed God, thousands of years ago, had the same needs. In the Bible, many times God would use prophets to bring a word of hope at just the right time. 
when fear and concern was gripping the hearts of people and leaders. So the, the verses and the chapters that we're basing this Christmas series on are coming from a time in history when God's people were, they were barely hanging on. The threat of invasion for God's people living in the land of Judah during the 8th century BC was real and invasion seemed imminent. Judah was feeling pressure on all sides. So here's a map of, this is going to help us set the stage a little bit for some of the things that we're talking about, understanding their situation. Um, the prophecies of Isaiah that we've been reading about are set against the backdrop of an Assyrian empire. So the green in this picture is Assyria starting to take over the Middle East in this region. Um, you can see how they have taken over this Babylonian area. And then over here is um, Israel and Judah. And these are actually, this is after the people of God were divided and they split into Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And so Assyria is starting to take over. They're creeping down. And this resurgent ancient nation, Assyria, is a very real threat. It's like people, you know, enemies at the borders. They're, they're, the weapons have been amassed, and uh, it doesn't seem like they can beat off this enemy. And, and not only is the threat from the outside, but there's a civil war going on in Israel. God's people are divided. So Israel and Syria from the north are teaming up to go after Judah in the south. And the king of Judah, that little area, you know, they're trying to stay strong and be defended. They're starting to freak out about all that's going on. They're shaking in fear. It did not look good for Judah, their king and the people in that, in that time. And I'll, I'll show you exactly. There's a great description of how they felt at this time. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says, uh, This took place during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Aram's king resident and Israel's king Pekah, son of Remaliah, went to fight against Jerusalem, but they were not able to conquer it. That's just, I summarize, you know, all those names and stuff. You don't have to remember for a test later. But that's basically, so there's this, enemies are at the door. So when it became known to the house of David that Aram had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, who's the king, and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. And I think this is just a great description of how they felt. It says, in the Bible, it says the heart, their hearts were like, they were like trembling trees shaking in the wind. Here's trees that were uh, in a hurricane, and you know, those trees are not looking too good. <laughs> Neither are the signposts, or, you know, there's no people on the streets, because um, just, this is actually a description of how those people felt on the inside. When you feel courageous in life, when you've got a lot of courage, this means you've got a lot of strength of heart. And you're, you know, your heart's just in it to go after the challenges. And this is the opposite of that. There is no heart left. There's no strength of heart. And I have no motivation to go on, no, no hope for moving on. So this is where they're at. They've got these two forces and different kings and nations aligning against them, camped out at the border, ready to take over. And they were dealing with a lot of fear. This really is a picture of weakness a moment of weakness where they're just blown around by circumstances. They're overcome by trouble and really the storms of life. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you have felt weak or you have felt fearful or beaten up and tossed around like a tree in a hurricane. Fear, when, if you're in a situation like that or if you ever have been, you know that fear can grip us. It can really shake us to the core. So much that we may lose our appetite, or slip into a dark hole. Fear threatens to take over and permanently damage our ability to see straight and press forward in life. 
So all this, all the threats and the stress and the burden, just feeling totally overwhelmed was really, it was, it was consuming the people of Judah. They were trembling in fear. So God sent Isaiah in the midst of all of that to strengthen the king and the people. Isaiah was one of God's prophets. A prophet was a spokesman for God, and God spoke through guys like Isaiah in the Old Testament. And some of the things that the prophets would do, they would expose sin, say like, you guys are totally off track. Um, prophets would call people back to God's ways, like, you know, get, get right with God, get these straightened out. They would warn people of coming judgment. And one of the reasons that we're having this series at all is the other role the prophets did was they would help people anticipate the coming Messiah, give great hope for what was coming. So here's Isaiah. He steps into this, this trembling mess, King Ahaz and all these other people. And here's, here's what the Lord said to Isaiah. He says, Go out with your son, Shir Jashub, and meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool by the road of the launderer's field, and say to him, Calm down. And be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. He's referring to those kings that are like teaming up after him. He, the threats that were, they were very real threats, but God just calls them like smoldering sticks. And he calls them that because God's about to just put them out. And um, God says, don't be afraid or cowardly because of these. The fierce anger of Rezan and Aram, the son of Remaliah. For Aram, along with Ephraim, the son of Remaliah, has plotted harm against you. And they say, let's go up against Judah, terrorize it, and conquer it for ourselves. Then we can install Tabil's son as king on it. God even knows the, the, even the threats that were being said and the big plans that the enemy had. Basically, Isaiah goes to the king and says that these people that were teaming up against you, the thing that's so threatening to you, is not going to amount to anything. Isaiah tells them, God's not going to allow it to happen. In fact, in a very short time, these two kings won't even be in power in two years from now. And here's, here's what Isaiah says at the end of this statement. He says to the king, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. It's a great statement. I don't know if that resonates with you in any way. If you, don't, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Faith in God is the only stable thing. Has anything else, when you've been in a big storm, has anything else actually provided the stability that you need long-term? If we fast forward to today, the year 2022, everywhere we turn, we can see looming threats. We have a divided country. We have the worst inflation that we've seen in 40 years. We've got international conflict on the globe. That's really concerning when you think about the nuclear capabilities that are on the planet right now. The U.S. has enough nuclear uh, weapons to destroy the planet nine times over, and we're only a country with the second most <laughs> nuclear weapons. And there's a lot of countries that have them. So there, the, the ability to destroy the planet is on the planet in great numbers. So that's, you know, that's threatening, right? That's, that's threatening. That's a, that's a comforting Christmas thought. <laughs> Not to mention, besides all that, besides all the things going on around us, there's also the things going on in our personal lives, though, too. Your own challenges that you're facing that are maybe in some ways even more threatening than nuclear bombs on the planet. You, because you may have things where you don't know who to talk to about it. You've got things where you're not sure if people would even understand. And all of these threats combined from outside and inside may have you trembling or battling with fear. So with this context, 
you know, the people of God thousands of years ago and us today, we're given a promise in the book of Isaiah. And the promise is wrapped up in a child whose name was a solution to all of this chaos. So here's the passage we've been using for this series. And this, you may have heard this is actually in some Christmas songs. For, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, and there's these four amazing titles, Wonderful Counselor. We looked at that one last week. Talked all about the incredible <laughs> counsel we can get from God. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is, they didn't know his name was going to be Jesus. In fact, it was going to take 700 years before he even came onto the, onto the stage. Long before Jesus was born, Isaiah described what Jesus would be like. News of this Savior, they called him a Messiah, the one who would come to save. This, really, this would have been a calming balm for their troubles. A reason to hang on hope. His name shall be called Mighty God. This character of this child is wrapped up in his name's he is the mighty God. He's the mighty God who's willing to help us deal with our fears if we call on him. And, and here's, here's the truth we can hang on to. Personal strength is available when we ask God for help to deal with fear. If you're facing threats looming all around you, you can actually find strength when we ask God for help to deal with that. Because Jesus is God who happens to be greater than all of our fears. God is greater than even our seemingly impossible circumstances. We can rely on our mighty God and avoid relying on other people or other circumstances that come through for us. That's like what they did in Israel's time. This time they, were, they didn't go to God, they went to other sources. We talked last week how instead of going, getting counsel from God, they went to you know, mediums and enchanters and people that would talk to the dead. and. and Everywhere else, all the, all the wrong places for help, except for God. So what we need to do, and what we even see here in this story when Isaiah stepped into the stage, is we cannot rely on other powerful people. There's a temptation to that, not to rely on other powerful people. Isaiah 8.13, he says uh, in a few verses later, he says, You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared, only he should be held in awe. Basically, this means we shouldn't fear anyone or anything other than God. And to fear God means to take him seriously and to stay within his boundaries for life. It means we aim to do what he wants, what pleases him. We've got to trust him to help us and not lean and rely on others. Psalm 146 says, Do not trust in nobles, in the Son of Man who cannot save. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the ground. On that day, his plans die. There really is a temptation to rely on people to come through for us. And, uh, you know, God's not there. I can't really see him. That's what it feels like. And so I just got to re- look around and see who can I rely on. Putting our trust, even, even if someone is at a princely level or at a, a king with influence and power, it's putting our trust in other people is not wise. Because one day, those people will die and all of their plans die with them. That's what this verse says. Sometimes it can be tempting for me even to put my hope for things, I, I can like put powerful people around in the back pocket of my mind and think like, oh, if I get into a pinch, I can rely on them. Or maybe it's somebody that I know that's got a lot of resources or money or somebody that's got a high position in a company or 
in a, in a city or something like that. I can just think, oh, maybe my connections will help me out. And I rely on that. People may not want to or have the ability to help us when we are truly in need. Trusting people is not wise when I have access to the mighty God. <laughs> when I have access to God who is willing to help me in my troubles, why would I not rely on him? Here's the truth. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, I will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas. This is a great promise. He is always a helper to be found in times of trouble. God wants to help us when we're in trouble, and he will if we call on him. He will provide the strength and the resources that we need to move forward. And one of the things that helps me, when I, when I do feel overcome and overwhelmed by things, one of the things that helps me a great deal, I'm actually going to let you know one of my secrets for getting through life. It is to remember how mighty he actually is. And I want to show you something really cool. Um, there's this verse that I'll, I'll show you in a second, but there's, there's a video that shows some of the stars that God has made. And when you think about what has gone into creating a star, it's going to fascinate you. And you think, and what, so when you watch this video, just think that God, the, the mighty God who made these stars has made himself available to you. So check this out. Easy to think about it. A million times the size of the earth. So here's a little perspective that sort of changed my life. If the earth were the size of a golf ball, okay, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. Okay, that didn't seem to move anybody either, so let me try it a different way. Let me just try it just a different way. I thought I might need this, so I brought a golf ball, okay? So all through the evening, this is going to represent earth, all right? So this is where we are. I need everybody in the building to look as closely as you can and find yourself, okay? When you've found yourself, I want you to nod your head so that I know you've located you on the earth, okay? You nod your head, okay, you found yourself. If the earth were a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. That's not 15 feet in diameter. Can we blow that up just a hair, maybe give them 15 feet in diameter? So here's a little perspective for you, okay? Is this working for anybody? Here we are on the earth, and that's the sun. It's so big, it's so big, you could put 960,000 Earths inside the sun. So if the Earth were a golf ball and the, and the sun were 15 feet in diameter, you could put 960,000 golf balls inside that 15-foot diameter sun. That's enough golf balls, by the way, because I know that seems like a big number, to fill a school bus with golf balls could fit inside the 15-foot diameter sun, it's a massive star, and it's one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy, our cul-de-sac in the neighborhood called the cosmos that God has made. I love science, and science has just brought us the largest star they found. It's called, are you ready for this, Canis Majoris. Now, I'm no linguist, but that's a cool name for the biggest star we've found so far. I think that means the big dog star, and that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I bring it to you as a little bitty purple, you know, glow just to the right of center there. But Canis Majoris, oh wow, if the Earth were a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. Sea level, the highest point on 
the planet, and I just dare you to get up there and unzip the parka and pull out your golf ball. <laughs> You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. That's enough Earths if the Earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. You see the one you're on? Maybe this will help a little bit more. This absolutely blew my mind. Just a little journey through our solar system. Everyone knows our planets and sort of how we fit in the story here. I see really quickly that we're not even the biggest deal in our own solar system, but as Earth comes by, you have to know tonight that we are living on a privileged planet. Anyone would tell you we're living in one of the most special places, if not the most special place in all of creation. But Neptune comes by and Saturn and then Jupiter and you're like, okay, we're not all that big in our own little cul-de-sac. I just noticed the blue dot fading away is not the Earth. That's Neptune. The Earth has gotten too small to see anymore. Sirius comes by plug for satellite radio. <laughs> Not the biggest star, but the brightest star that we have found so far. Pollux, which we didn't mention. Arcturus. Such a beautifully named one, Regal. But then the one that messed me up. I love that. This, that's mind-blowing. It's incredible to think about. Do you know who made those stars? <laughs> when you think about our sun alone, with all of its crazy power and heat and light and just the way that it feels so much on our planet, somebody's sustaining it every single day. And someone has made and sustained all of those absurdly huge stars that we can't even comprehend. Psalm 36, 33, 6 says, The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all of the stars by the breath of his mouth. Which means God is so powerful and so mighty, he didn't even lift a finger to create all of that. He just spoke. That's how powerful he is. 
Does he seem a little mighty to you right now when you think about that? It's crazy. Sometimes I feel so overcome by a challenge or a problem that I'm facing. Like this is, there's no solution here. It seems so big and it seems so insurmountable. And then I remember these stars. And then I remember God himself brought the sun up this morning, just like he does every morning. He himself, the heat and the power and the light from the sun is fueled by God constantly. God is the power source for all of that. So then I ask, what trouble am I facing right now that God is too weak to handle? For you, what trouble are you facing right now that God is too weak to handle? Is there anything in your life that he can't handle, that he couldn't solve in a second, that he couldn't just with a word just completely wipe out or change or make new? We can be shaken by fear, but that's when we need to exercise faith, regardless of how we feel in the moment. We can look around and see evidence of his power and his might and firmly trust in him. Sort of on a more practical side, I want to share a story, with, or actually, I'll show you another video. It's of two, two people, two friends of mine from OCC, our sending church, and um, this is just really ground-level practical stuff of moments when they have been facing fear in the unknown and how God helped them through it. And so um, you may be able to find some point of resonance in there. So check this out. So I work in the finance industry, and throughout the last year, it became clear that I need to make more income for our family. It also seemed like the direction I was sensing God wanted to take my career and the philosophy of how I wanted to grow my business would not have been possible where I was. Through all this, and with prayer and wise counsel from friends and leaders at OCC, I decided to venture on my own and start a new business. In the beginning, before I launched out, I struggled with a ton of thoughts of fear. Like, will this work? Am I crazy? Will I leave my family into financial ruin? Or is this just a selfish dream I'm chasing? Fear has been a pretty common struggle in my life. Even when I was first asked to do this testimony, I struggled with thoughts of fear. Will I have to share on stage? How will I prepare? Well, one season of fear was when my daughter suffered a severe injury. There were just so many unknowns and concerns about the future, and doctors were saying that she may need surgery. She had never had surgery. She would be undergoing anesthesia, so I was fearful about how she would respond to the medication and how she would do during the actual surgery. There was also concern about a lack of blood flow causing more damage. And because of this, she did need emergency surgery, which led to more fears about life afterward. Would she walk with a limp? Overall, would she be okay? What will this look like on a day-to-day basis for our family? Even after the decision was made, we had some unforeseen financial needs come up, which left me asking, oh, did I just make a horrible mistake? But with God's help, I stood firm in faith by reminding myself that I sense God calling me to this, God has always come through with my family and I, and we have never been left alone without his help. Knowing that he is the mighty God, I knew I didn't need to cave in fear. He has infinite resources, he has an infinite ability to help and provide wisdom in time of need. We're still in the early stages of seeing how God is going to work all this out, but so far we've seen him provide. Just a couple weeks after I launched out on my own, we received two unexpected checks. That really helped carry my family and I along those early stages. It's also been really hard. Someone once said to me, if it feels like a fight, you're still in the fight. Though that may seem backwards, I take a lot of comfort knowing that I'm still in the fight and can depend on the mighty God to care for me and meet my needs. 
Through this season, though, God really helped me set aside my feelings and not just give in to them, but instead looking to our mighty God, who he is, my experiences with him, and the promises he's made. He helped me move forward, not basing my actions on how I felt, but choosing to move forward in trust. Feelings and fear are a lot of times still there in my life, but God has grown my capacity to trust in him and keep moving forward. He's really helped me learn how to say no to the feelings of fear and say yes to what is true, which I never thought was possible. He truly is a mighty God. We have the mighty God to help us every day with all of our struggles and challenges. He's available, and God wants to free you from fear. So here's two commitments you might think about. Some ways that maybe you could respond to something going on in your life. When in fear, I will stand firm in faith. You could just decide this. I will stand firm in faith. I mean, I will trust him. I will declare God is good. He will not rip me off. Even though it feels like things are crumbling, I know that he ultimately will be good to me. Often we don't feel faith when we need to exercise it. Sometimes it's very, very much the opposite. But that's why Isaiah told the king, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. There is nothing else that will provide long-term stable support for what we're going through but our trust in God. And you don't have to feel faith to live by faith. <laughs> Most of the time when we need faith, we, don't, you know, we won't feel it. We don't feel like trusting God when we're hurting emotionally. Or when we're in physical pain, it's like, man, I don't feel like trusting God right now at all. But that's what makes faith, faith. It's trusting God to come through for us, whether or not we feel it. And if you're, if you're here today and you're a dad, you've got kids and a family to take care of, you've got to stand firm in your faith as men. There's a lot of pressure and temptation on you and on us as dads to cave and to crumble because if the enemy can take out dad, he can make the whole family suffer. And any other descendants that come after us, our family line, he can, the enemy can cause great damage by, by taking out dad. So stand in faith as men. Everyone in your family is looking up to you. Step up in courage and declare so that your, your wife and your kids can hear it. We are going to trust God. And when you choose faith, whether, whether you're a dad or a man or you're a parent or you're a college student or you're um, any other man or woman in any life stage, whenever you feel like maybe I'm, I feel like I'm shaking in the trees or I'm being blown around, if you choose faith, God will come through for you. God wants to be the strength of your heart when your heart is caving in. Psalm 73. This is a passage that many, many have used to hold firm in troubling times. Whom have I, whom have I in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. When we turn to God and we pour out our hearts to him, and we cast our burdens on him, he will be our strength and our refuge. God is waiting for us to turn to him in our troubles. Jesus was born, a baby in the manger. He was born not only to bring salvation, but also to help us right here and right now. 
We, we get saved, but then he provides resources and help for everyday life. He wants to be the strength of your heart when your heart is failing. I'd like to invite our worship team back to this stage, and I'll suggest some next steps that you might take today. One thing you might consider is to decide for the first time, I will accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. If you've never done that, or you're not entirely sure what that even means or what that looks like, let us know. We'd love to be helpful to you in that. Another next step you might take is to say, I will stand firm as I deal with this specific fear. And you could write something out. Maybe there is something, you know, threatening to take you over. You can stand firm. Use, some, use any of the verses listed on your handout today as a, as a source of strength. Also, another next step may be to draw strength from God alone and not people. Make a decision. I'm not going to put my trust in people. Even if they are powerful, they have a lot of influence or money or position, and I think they can do something for me, I'm going to know instead. I'm going to put my trust in God. Back when King Sennacherib of Assyria was expanding his empire, he boasted that all the gods were weaker than himself. Have any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? He boasted. He said, who among all the gods of the lands have delivered them from me. And he thought he, thought he was, the t- at the time, he, w- he was the top dog. And at that time, no, no gods had delivered the people that they, that they conquered. But then he was surprised by the God of Israel, who did indeed deliver his people from the conqueror's hand. We can turn on the sound, by the way, too, for the instruments. Uh, the psalmist declares, if you read, oh, there it is, nice. I said psalmist, and that's like songs come out. The psalmist describes the Lord as the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord in battle. His power extends to all creation, the work of his hands. Jesus has power to deliver his people from enemies because it was by his power that all things were created. It's only under his authority and by his permission that any ruler is allowed to, to rule. And you know, we... We can forget that today sometimes, that, you know, this year, for example, Putin invaded Ukraine. And besides that, there's other disasters and conflicts brewing throughout the world. And if a greater war should break out than what has already been seen, we could kill more people today than were even alive at the end of the last world war. What God could deliver any of us from that? Jesus can. The one who came once to save and who will come again to rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one to whom all authority has been given. Jesus through whom and for whom all things were created. Jesus, the mighty God. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your incredible might and your, your power and ability just goes beyond even what we can conceive. Thank you for being present with us in all of your power and ability. You still draw very close to us to provide comfort and practical help. And you do that when we turn to you and put our trust and our faith in you. Help us to do that with those specific fears and troubles that we face now. Lord, I pray that you would use our church and the people of Valley Lights to provide additional hope and light for people that are struggling with trouble. Thank you for your love, and we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.